I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to the Brexit, the final countdown. Are you well? I thought you were. Finally. Uh, joining me this week is the usual. It's Paul Baldwin, our head of news. Hello. Joe Barnes, our Europe editor. Hello. Hello. And Thomas Hunt, our news editor. Hello. I'm Rebecca Hudson, and here's a quick reminder of what we're counting down to. We have 113 days until the 31st of October, which is the end of our current extension with the EU. And when we are out, we have just 12 days until the 22nd of July, which is when we get a new prime minister and a new leader of the Lib Dems. Um, and we're just a week away from the EU plenary, where the, par- where the EU Parliament will decide on the top job nominees that we discussed at length last week. So VDL, Lagarde, um, and all those others. So, indeed. Indeed. So yes. loads to look forward to, isn't there, chaps? There is. Um, these are strange political times. And yeah, uh, keeping Joe very busy. Are they? <laughs> Over in Brussels, yeah. He's, well, he's keeping that quiet. Right, <laughs> on we go. Okay, so last night, it was a bit. It was a nice Tory leadership debate. It was on ITV with the glorious Julie Batchelor. Didn't she do a great job? She did a fantastic job by like, comparison. Yes. Yeah. By, yeah. <laughs> you are so shady, that. aren't you? <laughs> uh, um, I saw a funny tweet that said that the set looked a bit like the cube. Do you remember that kind of yeah. ill, that ill-fated? <laughs> was it that was probably a better way of oh, I think, No, they should yeah. have to do the wall. That was fantastic. Um, it was. Bring it was on it the was, wall. It was very high tech. It reminded me of the. Um, of, of it, was, it was a very slick production and it made the previous efforts look a bit amateurish by comparison, to be honest. Yeah, so it was really kind of like optimism and bulldog spirit versus details and uh, being an entrepreneur. Who came out on top? Um, against the run of the newspapers this morning, I think Boris still edged it because of the optimism. Uh, I think we need it. I think his, uh, uh, his kind of attitude, his... his um, his, his big phrase at the moment is creative ambiguity, which is what he thinks he's taken to the EU, but that perfectly describes Boris's policies on pretty much anything. HS2, Kim Derrick, uh, whether he'd resign if he didn't uh, achieve Brexit by the yeah. 31st October, and the second runway, all things he didn't answer. Uh, yes, very indeed. Very creative, but I still very think ambiguous. His, his, uh, his killer line for me was that uh, we've all had enough of managerialist politics. They've failed us, and... Maybe it is time to unleash the bull in the china shop. The Boris bull in the china shop. Good Who knows? No. He, I mean, so he's saying the right thing for kind of the Tory Tory party faithful, isn't he? Like yeah, which, remember, was the, the only people he needs to appeal to. The rest of us, it was just a sideshow. Until the 22nd of July, and then he really needs to win over this this great nation. Thomas, it's, who are you backing? I know you were actually in the pub last night, so did you watch this? I did, I did, oh, actually. It, the, On catch it, up, it, all, it all came down to, it was the moment, if, if for Jeremy Hunt, it was the, the biggest job interview of his life. Mm-hmm. This is your moment. What what it, did he bring to the table that could win over last minute support? And you just turn around and think, oh, is that is him whinging about Boris peddling optimism? And it's not do or die that matters. It's Boris in number, number ten. 10. Is that is that it? Like yeah, I would, I, I, I had, I think I was a bit deflated afterwards because I, I had thought, mm. and Jeremy Hunt's. Uh, team had actually put out a statement that morning that sounded a bit fiery and a bit more like. But he oh, was yes, he was fiery. He was. I mean, he was really tough on was, the US. He was punchy. He was punchy, tough on the US ambassador stuff. But that's not. It's. I mean, I know no one actually cares. No, but it's. 
it's, you need he to was, try to he, sock it to he came across as a slightly better version of Theresa May. Oh, gosh. And we don't want a slightly better wants a slightly better version of Theresa May, I'm afraid. And, and I think Boris's, Boris's approach to uh, well, that line about we need to get off the hamster wheel of doom <laughs> is exactly what the Tory rank and file and maybe the country at large wants and needs to hear. And it, but but, but positive, positive thinking alone is not going to get us no. through a no-deal Brexit. No, but so. it, it, it could win. It's going to win him this, yeah. this case. I, I think... He has looked at it. He has managed to go through this whole process without committing really to anything. Like, I'd, yeah. if, if we'd have said four weeks ago that we'd get to the point where Boris could be signed in as, as leader and hasn't, we, we know nothing. So we've gone through all these debates, all the hustings, and we've managed to actually come out with very little other than he's going to chat to the EU and he'll mm. threaten them a bit. I mean, and that, and also, also, don't underrate this kind of nebulous sense of of optimism it's it's a vital part of politics and um and it works and we need to hear it we're kind of fed up of being told that we're not very good at things and we're a bit rubbish at negotiating and we're a, a, a poor second best to the eu so don't it's a powerful political tool but don't, do we care about do we care power. about people getting things wrong so him saying that we won't need to pay the 39 billion pound force bill i mean obviously that wouldn't put us in the greatest or strongest position when trying to negotiate a trade with the eu and then saying that we would be able to sort the irish border out during the implementation period when obviously you only get an implementation period if you get a deal like he's getting things wrong and gat 24 which is one of our favorite things to discuss in this podcast you know this keeps ringing its head like he he he's not he doesn't have the details down it to deliver true. brexit Politicians do get things wrong all the time, and uh, the the other side. But of this the is channel, a job interview, they, like Thomas says. The other side of the channel, they get things wrong. Uh, Julie last night was saying that the the EU have looked all over the world and they haven't found a solution to the uh, Northern Irish border problem. Well, of course they haven't. They haven't looked very hard, have they? There are solutions to be found. They just don't want to find them because they don't want us to leave. The uh, it's it, it's more that yes, we can go through all the facts. The new age of elections and gaining votes it seems to this Trumpist sort of Brexit post fact is, is just that actually make a statement that will ring tr- that someone listening no, that's think, the key thing it yeah. doesn't ring true because they're not true they're just powerful they're, but, they're but just, for, for, if it has luster. an impact on the person that's going to you have succeeded then in gaining a vote it's almost as if you, you throw out the old-fashioned rules you just go in and say oh, yeah I'll, what, it's what? kind of like political mindfulness that if you if you say it often enough and you believe it, that mindfulness through. actually works, and doesn't it? Well, Whereas I'm not sure. Does just it though? A positive it's mental same attitude thing. To, to a skeptic, to a skeptic, you'd take the same view on mindfulness and political mind mindfulness. It either works or it doesn't. But you know, um, it's there, underrated at your peril. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, well it's quite but depressing. It, it, so affairs, then, yes, it? all sorts of facts went across the table. Is Boris going to be? completely down on everything i mean weirdly to what do you mean May, is boris going to be down is, is he going to understand all the facets of i mean he's yet to prove he understands anything apart from how to get boris into number 10 but that's all that matters to him at the moment like get in and then he will be in a position where he will probably say i've got a team of people who will go and negotiate this mm. i will just guide them on optimism give them a bit of a team talk <laughs> and and i think a large part of it is just the threat of having boris there is his hope that me just being me will cause the eu to turn around and say the there's sheer a, power of his per- the cult of personality but running boris will be enough it's um we've seen it with nigel farage who's a who's a one-man party and and has achieved massive things. I think Martin Daubney would have something to say about that. Uh, no, he's, <laughs> there are, and 
Anne Whittaker. He's a one man, a one man and one issue party and he's achieved massive um, political success on the back of that. I and mean, then Boris could do the same. The other thing about Boris is be careful in underrating him. I was working for a London newspaper when he was fighting to become mayor and I'd essentially written him off as a, as a, as a sort of showboating buffoon. And not only did he win, and I thought Ken would walk it, um, he turned out to be quite a good and effective mayor because he does what journalists do. He doesn't think, I know everything, well, he might think he knows everything, but he surrounds himself like journalists do. He finds people who do know the solution, or who should know the solution to a particular problem. And like journalists do, they quit, you know, ask the right questions and, and, and take advice accordingly. And he, yeah, he like was, Steve he, Bannon. He was a much more effective London mayor than most people would have expected and gave him credit for, I think. Okay, but also in terms of details, Theresa May, actually, as a Prime Minister, I think knows more about Brexit and the, the inner workings of the withdrawal agreement. And actually, if we sat her down and quizzed her on it, I, th- I bet she'd be brilliant mm. talking us through all the parameters, all the. But where's that got? <laughs> Those yeah. details, it's got her nowhere. And yeah. actually, yeah. The, the very bits that Theresa has completely failed on which is the old school politics of get together and try and yeah. win someone over is theoretically what i think, I, I hoping- think the europeans don't really get cricket and and um, theresa may went in uh, and what happened to her was just not cricket and that's you know they, they were they were mean cricket to World her she, she went in in a kind of rational reasoned way and failed on every count and that's why we probably you know, so let's just ditch rationality and reason and let's just be positive and you know a bit like what's that um what's the stuff when you don't when you don't believe in medicine like drinking tea drinking Bog celery business. tea for cancer no what's it called uh, homeopathy homeopathy there yeah. we go a more homeopathic yeah. approach to brexit maybe Ooh, careful what yeah. you say you're gonna get a lot of letters from <laughs> homeopaths and homeopath believers i think i have more but yes, faith but this, in homeopathy but what i'm saying is you, with somebody like boris um, maybe you need somebody to completely bamboozle and wrong foot the EU uh, negotiators because so far they've ruled the complete roost and said no to everything. And because because we've been playing the game, maybe it's time to stop playing the game. And had enough of experts. Had ways. enough of reason. That's just yeah. No, I'm with you, Joe. Um, how did it play? How did it play in Europe last night? Were you able to watch it? Can you get ITV player on on the continent? I, I must admit, while it was going on, I was busy finding Stephen Bar- Stephen Barclay copy. We'll back to that later. But there, there were there were pubs in the European districts opening their doors to floods of interested people, which I'm sure. Over here, are matters to a total of about five or six these days. <laughs> they're very much bored of the bluster and the rhetoric. The, as, I, as I've said over the last few weeks, the EU want concrete plans. It's all well and good Boris going, oh, we're going to use GAT24 and Jeremy Hunt going, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. But that's <laughs> not going to solve anything in the EU's eyes. So maybe you said, maybe you said, Tom, this was his first job interview. Or most important, maybe it's his first ever job interview. No. <laughs> if he's an entrepreneur, he's never had a job interview. There is a far more exciting election going on, isn't there, Joe? In um, in Europe, we've got Ursula von der Leyen, etc., etc. Um, she's out today, isn't she? Finally revealing her plans for what her presidency would look like. Um, what are we? What kind of should our ears be pricking up for? What are we expecting from her? So basically, this will sound very familiar to the way that she was appointed. Another backroom stitch up but this time to secure the votes that she needs in the European Parliament. So she's been going round, she's taken up her office in the uh, in the Charlemagne building, which is across the road from the European Commission's Berlimont HQ. And she's basically going around all the political groups, promising them the world, 
in exchange for their votes. That's like Boris it's, Johnson. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting, very so, modern approach to politics, Joe, is it not, that she gets appointed first and then finally gets around <laughs> to explaining her political stance and points of view <laughs> afterwards, which is a novel way of going about it. It is incredible, but essentially it's left her a really interesting position where people know that she's a federalist. But now she's basically gone in, she's gone into the European Conservatives and Reformist groups and said, who are made up of kind of Poles, Czechs, kind of places where the EU's rule of law isn't kind of all sacred. And she's promised them, look, we can go easy on you. We can, we can like, we can cut migration for you. We can make sure that Italy, uh, uh, Spain isn't lumbered with all the migrants and we do equal burden sharing and so and so. So she's basically doing this round and she's going to go to the Greens and promise, oh, a green Europe, we're going to be really, we're going to build up and kind of bring democracy back to the European table, the exact opposite to what she's promised. <laughs> it's a bit rich, isn't it, coming from a woman who's been appointed. <laughs> In a backroom stitch-up, <laughs> I'll stay. It's, it's the kind of stuff that uh, I mean, would shame most Tim Pot dictatorships, wouldn't it? That kind of deal. Appoint me first, and I'll tell you what I stand for a second. What did the Europeans think of it? Like maybe like Boris, like Jeremy Hunt, she could be something to everyone in the hope of securing votes. So she could say, we're going to be tough on migration, but I, I, I really want a, a liberal Europe that's green. I want a socialist Europe, so I want to spend more on hospitals, more on this, more on that. Is she going to mention, is she going to mention the B word? This is interesting. So she's meeting... In 40 minutes, okay. so Ooh. what will be Wednesday afternoon, uh, with the Liberal Democrats. And that will be her first opportunity where people will ask her about Brexit because there is a substantial amount of Liberal Democrats making up the Renew Europe party. Maybe they'll give her a T-shirt. Potentially. They, they, <laughs> they did say last week that they had been taking orders and they could be used to fund... We're all wearing the them here. Election is it, am I right in thinking it's the Greens hold quite a lot of power here because they can? they've got two choices. They can either stick to their guns and probably not give her her support or compromise on their basic principles and end up with quite a bit of power in Europe. Is that a reasonable reading? Yeah, that, no, no, that is absolutely right. So I've, I've broken down a bit of the maths here and from my notes. So there are currently 747 MEPs. They're slightly short because of the Catalonians aren't allowed to take it. So the majority that von der Leyen needs is 376. The European People's Party, the Socialists and Liberals control 444 of those seats. But it's a secret ballot, so let's not expect the party whip to hold. Because a lot of the EPP candidates are annoyed that Manfred Weber was discarded and the Spitzen candidate process was killed. The Socialists are equally annoyed that Franz Timmermans was discarded and they're these were the original shoe-ins who've been replaced by the newer shoe-ins, basically, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, okay. Joe, so, what um, happens if she loses? But so, what happens if this if she doesn't win? Like, where? What do we do? So, if she doesn't win, the rules and the treaties say that you, European Union leaders have to, within a month's time, produce a new candidate to the European Parliament. So they're they're in as kind of the same sort of pickle as we are over here, really, aren't they? That's, we can't seem to get anyone in charge who knows what they're doing. So if, if you kind of speak to people around town who are, who are like kind of doing the maths and keeping a real track on this and going and speaking to as many MEPs, they reckon that von der Leyen was about 50 votes short of a majority Okay, coming into this week. So that's quite she a lot though, right? I mean, that's, that's by that's no means massive, certain. Mass, massive amount. Yeah. So that's why she... That's why she will heavily rely on the Green 74 votes. 
but the Greens are really upset because they've seen democracy kind of just discarded with the Spits and Candidate process. And they've got no representation on the council. There's no head of state that's Green Party candidate. Well, also, what I, what's interesting is, is the Greens' kind of strength is that it's the moral high ground and that the, they, they take the moral high ground. And, and if they want to achieve any sort of power, they'll have to relinquish some of that, presumably. Uh, no, absolutely. So one of the current trade-offs that's kind of being discussed, if you speak to kind of like the European Parliament source, green sources, is that they may say, look, we will back you with our 74 votes, which will likely push her over from the land over the line. But what we want is we want someone senior inside the commission. So one of her team will have to be a Green Party member in, as a commissioner. So instead of a instead of a sort of pristine moral and political stance, it's backroom horse trading, and that, my friends, yeah, is more politics. backroom more backroom horse trading. Right. Let's put our people in power um, yeah. in exchange yeah. for votes, which is um, it kind of goes with the theme. It's it's one massive backroom stitch up. Yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> there's a, there's a fifth lot of time we've said it. Ching. <laughs> there is some interesting theories though going around, which I'll just note. So. Matteo Salvini and Marine Le Pen's Identity and Democracy Group, that's that Eurosceptic super block of MEPs. It's a secret ballot, so their votes technically won't be revealed to everyone, but there's talk that they may use their numbers, which are 68, I believe, to back von der Leyen and then, then come out and announce their votes and say, look, we are the ones that got you to power. We want to dictate the future of Europe a little more. So it's, it's, it's power plays now in between the parties. So, so, so would that be a backroom stitch-up going, oh <laughs> going Is this a drinking game? <laughs> it, won't, it won't be a backroom stitch-up as such, but they will be stitching up von der Leyen by saying, look, we've supported you, now we want to say. One piece of good news I heard this morning was, um, uh, bizarrely, Mark Carney, our Canadian uh, head of the Bank of England, may be in the frame for what we think is Lagarde's job as the head of the yes, European the, Central Bank. Whoa, plot twist. So, uh, I, I, you know, the, 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 for my money, close the door on the way out, Marky. Nice, nice knowing you. What's, what has Mark Carney ever done to you? He's a massive arch-remainer. And he, he needs to keep out of the politics of it. That's not his job. He's just trying to just keep money in our pockets, isn't he? Uh, that will be his job, but to keep out of the politics. Getting some sexy we'll, chapters we'll for his memoir. We don't need to. We don't need a Canadian to teach us what to do with with our uh, national politics. I would gladly much. be told what to do by Mark Carney. Um, <laughs> Joe, what who's who? who what, what does that mean for Paul Lagarde? <laughs> no, no, no. She she will still be going to the European. Oh, Bank. her old job. Um, sorry, her old job in the International Monetary Fund. But another name that is floating around: um, revered newspaper editor and former chancellor. Oh, Lord what? above, no. What, it's, no, well, then, you could, then you could have <laughs> his job. Every, everyone wins. Oh, I'm looking forward to that backroom stitch up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. What, so Mark, Mark can't you go and head to George Osborne for the head of the IMF? Well, these, these, are, these are potential names that are being kind of floated around. Wow. Um, as potential heads of the we're, we're, we're so fund. through the looking glass here aren't these, these are politics we've never seen before there are only five before. people in the world that get any jobs yeah. i mean <laughs> surely, surely we could broaden the gene we could broaden the pool a little okay we've said backroom stitch up so many times so it's okay. now time that we say brexit a yes, few more times indeed. Yes, um, there's been some news hasn't there we finally we finally maybe we haven't we've got um a position from the labor party haven't we thomas over to you oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. has been speaking to the labor party this morning and here's what he's found out. Yeah, come on. Um, so to try and explain the process, it's not particularly complicated. 
when we want to get a line from one of the parties to put into a story, we normally contact them and they send us through a brief snippet of that summarises what the, the position is. So this morning at 9.25, we called the Labour Party press office and it was closed um, on, on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Maybe so it was the Northern Line. Busy, or there's so, much going on in so politics was, or anything. There was an out-of-hours press officer who, uh, when you call the number, it... 9.25 being out of hours in the Labour land, by the way. So they they then called back um, and we asked for, in, in the wake of yesterday and the shift in position, we asked what is what can we include in copy that shows accurately your position. And they sent me through a 21-line statement, which in itself was just Jeremy Corbyn's email from yesterday. But 21 mm. lines... Just, I think, shows exactly how yeah. confused and they're trying to yeah. he- still hedge Convoluted their bets. And just so, so to yeah, summarise what the so they came out of the shadow cabinet meeting. When was that? That was yesterday. Y- yes, and so announced that, that that they will back remain in yes. the event of a Tory, a No Deal, or a Tory deal. Yeah, or a and, Tory and, bad deal, or a bad uh, Tory. I, I, so, yeah, I think we're I think we're giving this more credence than it deserves. <laughs> Basically, they're still in the same position. They've tried to um, try to have their cake and eat it, and they've they've said that um, no deal. Okay, we'll get that, but it's a Tory bad deal. So there's still uh, there's still a workable position. But for the key difference that they sides. they've said they will if there is a second referendum, yeah, which they would push for in the event of those, a Tory those, Brexit. Those, yes, a Tory a bad, bad Brexit. A bad Tory Brexit. Yeah. They would then campaign for Remain. And have they defined what a bad Tory Brexit mm. is? No, well, not a, at all. It's not a jobs first Brexit. Well, jobs so. first. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, so we're back where we were. Well, it is jobs first for George Osborne <laughs> and But it's a, a whole bunch of <laughs> words, really, that actually that, b- Labour don't have the power to call a second referendum. No. So they have managed to come up with a statement that they have no control over whether that happens or not, and say that in that in in the possibility that it happens it we will campaign for remain and so, are they putting this in the man does this become a manifesto commitment so when if there ever were because boris johnson also let slip last night that in the next he said general election last night so we all kind of know one's coming plot twist is this going to go in the labor manifesto that we will camp we are the party of remain like what I, if, is it a major politician they would probably say learn? that they would if in power hold a second referendum and in that event, that, would campaign it would be, for Remain. And if I guess it would depend when they were in power, because obviously, if it were a Labour Brexit, are they going to offer that up as a for a, a, a second ref as well? If it was their job, they, first they don't know. There's, there's an existential well, this is problem. It. I feel like Keir Starmer completely it's, confused. There, like, there is an existential morning? problem at the heart of Labour, and it is encapsulated by me basically because oh, I come from a, a Labour a Labour stronghold in Blackburn, Lancashire, and it's the uh, it's the, the a Labour stronghold of, of Barbara. Barbara Castle was RMP for a long time and Jack Straw. And people there, when I was a kid, voted Labour um, because they needed free school meals and free dentistry and they voted from a, from a, from a real old-school Labour position. I now live in Islington where the, with Thornbury and Corbyn are the MPs for Islington North and Islington South. And people choose to vote Labour there like they choose to eat couscous. It's a, kind of, it's a lifestyle choice, not a, not a necessary function of their life and that that's the rift um in labor right now it is the the old school labor northern heartlands um against the 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 lifestyle choice in london basically and and it's borne out in the figures all the time the keir starmer today justin webb on bbc today program actually laughed Mm. because he just turned around to keir starmer and said 
So you can't be campaigning effectively for Remain before an election and then saying afterwards, we might change our minds. So they have... Chaos. They are yes, back themselves. On, politics, yeah. Yeah. on both sides. On every, every... Isn't, isn't there an element of cleverness here? I'll be very surprised, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so realistically, their first choice, which is we're going to campaign in a second referendum against a Tory no deal or a Tory bad the Brexit. second referendum, they can't. There is going to be no referendum yeah. in that case. They're not, they're not actually campaigning for anything. So they've got a Remain vision out there, but realistically, the only campaign pledge they can make is we are going to sort Brexit and we're going to deliver Brexit. See, but they, so it kind of it sorts your Blackburns in Lancashire who voted to leave. But it also but, then sorts your London heart. But it doesn't because out. you've got Lib Dems with a very clear mm. message of we will do everything we possibly can to stop Brexit happening. And so if you are a Remainer who is sitting there with mm. those two choices, do you take the, we might do this, but we could do this and this is what we would potentially do, or do you just take the one that clearly states... Bollocks to Brexit, yeah, yeah clearly, like it, in it, yellow and black. So, and similarly, if you are a Brexiteer and you're thinking, oh, I normally vote Labour, mm. they've said they could possibly back Brexit and give me a jobs first Brexit, but there is also a party on there that are clear in a message that they will leave, yeah. no questions asked. So you, they haven't... They haven't. The poll came out last week that was the a record low for Labour. Yeah. The last they they one other time have, have have got to that point. I think there were eighteen points on the YouGov poll, and that was when Gordon Brown was in power. There had been a recession. There had been and we sold the gold by been, that point. Yeah, they sold the gold. <laughs> sold oh the Royal Mail. Uh, the the it was bad. It was expenses scandal. The, so the expenses yeah. scandal. They'd been in power for thirteen years. Mm. There was that they have had nothing other than their own. Person, it's it's things they've created. We have so. said before Problems. that if, if the Labour Party had a, a, a leader, a real leader, they will be in power for the next twenty years. Do you think this announcement is enough to kind of pacify like the internal kind of discord? So that, the Tom Watsons, the John McDonalds, Diane Abbotts, people who have kind of spoken about the need for a that is all. This is this is to pacify the party. I, and I mean, I can read. I can read the no. Do you? have got a lovely the, voice. The spokesman, <laughs> the spokesman has said that the Labour Party will now challenge whoever emerges as the leader, leader of the Tory party, breaking news, okay. <laughs> uh, to have the confidence to put their deal to the people in a referendum with Remain on the ballot in which Labour would campaign for Remain. As clear as so, my face yeah, mask. Uh, pick the bones out of that one, everyone. <laughs> but you, that is not, that's not winning an election and that's not, you've not, if we were talking earlier about Boris and a clear message, even though the message might not be true, true, it's it's and a this message. Is just a gift. That, this is just such yeah. a gift to the Tories, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's just, you, just no and this, sensible opposition anywhere. The, the only if if we're trying if I'm trying to be kind and mm. I, and Joe was hinting that maybe they're being clever, mm. maybe their master plan is to be so pants at this process <laughs> that they convince the Tory party to definitely hold a general election because they think oh, Labour are the doing so badly and then come around and say oh <laughs> actually God, yeah, we actually, were joking all we're, along we're, <laughs> we actually Me? have a very clear message oh that's that is kind of you actually <laughs> very generous of spirit I, just, I cannot think because it, it they have and and this is the problem with Brexit in all the part or has been is that everyone is just looking internally mm. And there hasn't been any sort of, right, let's put on a united front. Let's get behind this. And it comes down to, as Paul said, 
just a lack of leadership. There isn't yeah. a leader but that people yeah. turn well, around. He, and... he's, but he's very healthy and very capable. Did you all see the oh, video? He, is, yeah, yeah. he was working <laughs> out actually in his LinkedIn, he, your he, ends. He is weekend. releasing a new fitness video in time for Christmas, do you, apparently. But do you, <laughs> shredding with Corbyn, yeah, absolutely, do, yeah. you, um, do you work out in that in that public park gym thing? Always, yeah, all, next, to, uh, next to Jeremy next Corbyn, to Corbyn sometimes, yeah, yeah. It makes me... <laughs> Makes him look good. <laughs> yeah, those pictures were so disturbing. He's so sinewy, isn't he? Um, Brexit rumbles on, though, doesn't it, Joe? Because we've had Steve Barkley was over in Brussels yesterday. Uh, yes, it was Steve Barkley, the Brexit secretary. Do you remember him? Just about, Joe. Just about, yeah. Just about, yeah. I, I was Rugby thinking the same this morning. Um, Who he? It was. <laughs> it was his first face-to-face meeting with his negotiating counterpart, Michel Barnier. Um, yesterday on Tuesday. In four months. Um, And so they've had exchanges about citizens' rights uh, kind of on by letter. But as you can guess, yesterday, nothing substantive happened because essentially the Tory leadership race blocks that all up. But what Barclay did do, which I thought was quite interesting, is he went over, he went and met Michel Barnier, he met Phil Hogan, who is Ireland's European commissioner, and he met Guy Verhofstadt, who's the European Parliament's Brexit coordinator. And he basically went with the message to say, come on, guys, let's remember that no deal will also impact Ireland as much as it will Britain. So it did our interest to push through and reach a compromise when the new prime minister comes along, Um, which won't go particularly down very well in Brussels because they like to think they're quite well prepared for no deal. Sorry to put in a sec, Joe, but um, the Irish Foreign Minister speaking on the same thing, Simon Coveney, uh, his quote was, let me just read it. Uh, he said, we need some action somewhere, which reminded me <laughs> reminded me of that Father Ted episode when Ted becomes a politician and his slogan is, down with this sort of thing. <laughs> he was just so... Was, <laughs> very specific and helpful, actually, from Mr. Coveney there. Absolutely, yeah. Grief. yeah. <laughs> It is quite interesting in that regard. So in Ireland yesterday as well, they released a load of kind of no-deal contingency documents, which basically admitted that they will need to hold some sort of border and customs checks on mainly kind of livestock and farm products to protect Ireland's place in the EU single market. But they basically didn't go as far to say, look, they're going to be on the border, they're going to be away from the border. They basically said, we need Although, checks. Joe, I learned somewhere. only yesterday that we livestock checks, it, livestock coming from the mainland Britain to Northern Ireland, or to, through Northern Ireland to Ireland, is checked at Larn. It's already checked at that border. So they can do it with livestock. It opens yeah, up a whole there, load there of is, questions. There, there, are a, there, are a number of, there are a number of checks already at the border, um, as there are with basically because of mad cow disease. So that kind of goes SPS checks, as they're known. Go across across if there's the a whole. principle laid down there, we're really talking about political will, aren't we, more than anything else? Not a, It's impossible. It is possible. We just need to find the political route and political will to do it. Yeah, it's the number of checks. At the moment, I think it's only 10% are checked coming through. Okay. Um, but even, even that you know, so, but establishes a principle that, in theory, doesn't it? And Well, in that, practice, in fact. Yeah, it, it does. Um, and it will go to 100% in the event of a no-deal Brexit. But so what the real concerns are is not the technology we're talking about. It's how do you enforce the regulatory alignment and how you make sure in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland the regulatory standards on beef, uh, on car tyres or whatever you want, are exactly the same on both sides. And one, one of the solutions is uh, EU sort of checkers could come into 
don't know, Bird of Matthews Farm or something and check that they were aligned to EU rules. You're right? creating something some like more that. top jobs there. <laughs> I should like to be an EU in a, checker. In a back room chicken stitch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that, 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 was, that was a suggestion, funny enough, but the EU thought that would then create a back door into the single market. Right. There's enough doors and rooms as it is, Joe. Yeah, back door to back room. <laughs> and we all know what's going on in there, don't we? <laughs> they, they fear that that will create a smuggling route into the single market through Ireland. Oh, back to um, so they weren't overly keen on doing it. So th- their argument is you need single market. Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay, so it was a really conclusive, uh, helpful meeting, that one then, Joe. Well, so, yes, yeah, something um, somewhere needs to happen. Yeah. I think we can all, agree. all agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, of course, Michel Barnier, in true fashion, said the withdrawal agreement will not be changed. So we're almost still at square one. Yeah. yeah. In three years. <laughs> great, great to still be here. Um, in other top job news, obviously you can't escape the, um, the slightly embarrassing situation that we've got ourselves into with um, the Americans and yes. uh, the Trump administration yeah, yeah. and our, our man in Washington, Kim Darroch. Is that how you say it? Darroch. Yeah. Um, is Nigel Farage going to be our US ambassador if Boris gets in? <laughs> Do you know what? I, I know you mean that uh, as a joke, but, but we're living <laughs> such bizarre political times that you couldn't rule it out at this point. I mean, last night, Trump, Boris was kind of would not be drawn on this whole drama, would he? And he, he wouldn't condemn the, the no. tweets from the president. I think what we should... Right, don't underwrite just how damaging this leak is. It's massively damaging. Mm. And, and the gutless Not if it's about Oakshot, though. It's done well for... Helped her. Well, agree. <laughs> but, but, they, but the gutless wonder who leaked it um, should be hunted down like a dog and tried for treason because this is not a, a whistleblowing leak in the best interest of the public. Tell us what you really think. It's, <laughs> that was a very Islington response. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not... Like, I'm a journalist. We, we, we love whistleblowers. Something. If they bring uh, the, the, the truth uh, about something that is affecting members of the public to, to bear. But this is not that. This is a political move um, which aids only the person that leaked it. It doesn't, it doesn't do... Great Britain or the public, any any good whatsoever. This is a private memo, and it should have remained a private memo. Of the responses last night from the two uh, prime minister candidates, who did you th- who who do you kind of side with? Hunt, who was kind of like you know, it's a UK decision, and we, you know, our, our ambassadors are our decision, and we won't be kind of influenced by a foreign leader. Or do you think kind of Trump uh, Johnson trying to I don't, what would you call what he was just trying to avoid the yeah, avoid it, wasn't it. He, and get around it and. He's due to he's due to leave in January. Anyway. I, I think yeah. his term is up in, in January. Yeah. So, I, I, it would be you'd look pretty daft if you well, came in and immediately out removed him, him yeah. because or accepted his he, resignation because I guess he could he could resign, couldn't he? But yes, but I, I think I don't think he needs to resign. The problem doesn't lie with him. He's, he's already been NFI'd. He wasn't allowed to go meet some you know high some glittering Dubai official last night, was he? Yeah, no, and I, um, I'm sure he's just had a night in watching telly and thought, <laughs> brilliant. But um, the problem doesn't really lie with him. He's, he's allowed to, to say what he thinks. Uh, that's his job, and to brief um, brief ministers, basically, on, on what's, what he sees going on over there. The problem absolutely lies with the gutless wonder that leaked it. Mm. Simple as that. And, and the good thing is we can just bluster about this for another few months and it'll be Christmas and it'll be gone anyway. I do, and I'd, then the, who do you appoint next? Like, do you do we then appoint a kind of more a tr- Nigel? A, obviously, a sim- will th- be or George, George, or George Osborne, or probably not Mark Carney <laughs> oh, at this point. Um, whatever it will be, it'll be a backroom stitch up. I didn't want. That's what I was waiting for someone to say. But it, it, but like you know, do we let this kind of thing dictate the um, dic- dictate our kind of you know who the future? Well, I, d- are? I think if we if we take that 
Boris's favourite comes into power, the I don't think he will. He will already have all sorts of jobs that he's listed, and there's rumours that he's given the same job out four or five times. Yeah. It might be a thing if he just goes through the list and then says, "Oh, by the way, there's a nice job opening up in January. I know I offered you this, but would you like to move on?" And I think about promising jobs. It's it's the sort of thing that in a few weeks' time will have moved on. It's an ambassador role. We Trump gave weirdly the. Johnson, who is the U.S. ambassador to the U.K., mm. is a friend of <laughs> Donald's. Yeah. So it could it could just be a uh, we could get one of Boris's buddies in maybe there. Carrie. Oh, could maybe do Carrie. It. She probably maybe needs a break. I think we need to be very careful with this because um, the USA will be a vital trading partner for us post Brexit. Maybe probably the vital trading partner for us post Brexit. And before we even get to th- issues like defence. You can see a position in 10 years' time where we will be driving Dodge Chargers rather than 3 Series BMs because the market will shift and the taxes will shift and change. We've and got too many roundabouts. Maybe we have, but, but you know what I mean? We'll be drinking Californian wine. We don't drink Californian wine at the moment because the taxes prevent it to be um, being competitive in the market. Same with the cars. But that will shift post-Brexit and we need to absolutely keep them on side. And, and this, this stuff like this is just really, really damaging. Part of me has hoped that there will be a Theresa May love actually Exactly, moment. this is I mean, she just went to all that effort. She just yeah. got out the best China, rallied the royals, you know, to make him feel great. And now we're, you know, now he's tweeting the most horrible stuff about her. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's unlikely, it, isn't it? But, um, he's, but she, he's a hard guy to love any, really. She's got nothing to lose. No, she has got nothing it, to lose. And she needs something on this resume. She's a legacy. So, yeah. 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 So, Unless Philip Hammond lets her spend some money. But only if she then, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that weird backroom stitch. Yeah, that's another one. No but... deal. Uh, it's a theme. Um, do you want to play a quick funny game? Of course. Let's do that, okay. it, well, it's not really a game, but it's just it's just funny. Um, so it's how how to figure out what your EU unofficial unelected official diplomat name would be. Okay. So okay. you take the name of your favourite European right city, down. right? This, yeah. Okay. As your first name, and then okay. you have a double-barreled surname. The first part of which is your favourite booze brand. And the, and the second part is the surname of your favourite dead author. And that will, kind, will round up this podcast and also will give us all something to laugh about all day. I'll go first. <laughs> mine is okay. Paris Alizé Roth. That's what I would be if I were going for a top job. Mine would be Rome Bitter Vonnegut. <laughs> oh, very nice. And so apropos. Thomas, who would you okay, be? Uh, Prague Stella. <laughs> Stella Dahl. Dahl? Oh, right. Uh, Joe? Okay, so mine would be Liverpool Strongbow Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> that is so brilliant. That was absolutely perfect. Well done, guys. I can't think of a better way to end this podcast. Thank you so much for your uh, time and attention. Joe, have a great day in Brussels today. You too. Well, catch Thanks, you later. Bye. See you soon. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.